0: You're listening to The Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about The Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. So we're going to welcome Josh to the stage now, who is going to bring us a word this morning. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. Well, good afternoon. It's 12.04. Check my clock because that has backfired horribly in the past. Uh, Welcome everyone. It is so good to have you here. Today I want to talk about the practice of hospitality. We've, um, as Rachel's just shared, we sense the Lord is speaking to us as a community about connection. We sense the Lord speaking to us about um, what it could look like to invite people into our lives and into our world. And I believe, actually, that radical hospitality is an idea that time has come. And um, I, I wonder what comes to your mind, guys, when you think of hospitality. I wonder what comes to your mind. For as long as I can remember, I grew up in a household that deeply valued the practice of hospitality. Every single week, at least once a week, if not two or three times, we would have people round to our home for food, not just people from church, but our neighbors, and those that were in and around my parents' life. Often, um, with a lot of brokenness coming in and out of our home and our lives, we would gather around a table with an incredibly wide variety of people, and it's one of the, I think, one of the greatest legacies that my parents left for us as a family is that we got to see firsthand radical hospitality. It's the kind of hospitality that, if I'm honest, was very inconvenient. It's the kind of hospitality that was costly. It was the kind of hospitality that was messy and often disruptive. Um, we had, I mean, a lot of the stories, I think I've shared these in the past, but we had one lady that my mom was leading to the Lord, and she came to faith in the end, and she was battling an alcohol addiction. I remember very vividly, I was about 14 years old. She came into our house and stumbled through the door and hit the floor in our hallway. And uh, my mom and dad picked her up and took her upstairs. And um, Just watching that as a, as a young teenager, just the impact of love and how that welcomes no matter their stuff. We had a guy who used to, um, who lived with us for about three or four months who used to be a, a gang leader in Thailand. He was in, a, he was in a Thai jail for quite a while, and he came over and started coming to our dad's church, and, um, and, and he lived with us. He moved in. It was a bizarre season of my life. He, uh, he actually gave me my first mobile phone. I'm pretty sure I didn't buy it, but um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't even know if mom and dad knew about it, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. We don't ask those kinds of questions. Uh, we had one guy who was an amazing guy who, le- who basically, towards the tense of was homeless. And uh, my mom and dad invited him around for Christmas dinner. Now, I don't know about you, but Christmas dinner, in my mind, was sacred. Like, this is family time, Mum. Please, what are you doing? And I'm, as a teenager, I'm like, well, don't invite him around. I, it will just mess up my space. And she's like, no, he's not got no one to eat with. We're going to bring him around and um, he was basically homeless, although I think he lived in a hostel at the time, and my dad went and picked him up. We'd had some family time in the morning with open presents, and one of the things that uh, I got as a present back then was um, some uh, Lynx Africa deodorant. Anyone, any teenagers? I'm actually wearing it still today. (laughs) This is, I don't know if you can smell it, but this was a a long time ago, and uh, my, yeah, it's delicious. Anyway, so he's there, and this guy, and bless him, he's like, has clear, you know, he's homeless, so he doesn't smell great, and um, but he sat on his sofa and he sees this box of deodorant and he's like, oh, Josh, can I borrow some? Every bit of me was like, that's my new Alinx Africa. Like, well, come on, please. But I said, yeah, okay, no problem. And he, he just took it and he, he borrowed his arms, armpits, arms, and then he put it down his trousers. <laughs> and he gave it a spray and uh, he was like, there you go, have it back. <laughs> and, um, do you know, I wish I could tell you I had deep compassion for him. I wish I could say that. But the only thing that was going through my mind was thank you, Jesus, that that wasn't a roll-on. (laughs) Because it would have been a lot more awkward. Um, But real hospitality is disruptive and difficult. We are also going on a journey in our church through the book of the Psalms. So if you have a Bible, just turn it open to Psalm chapter 68. And I thought it's a wonderful Psalm to pick as we collide the Psalms with this sense of God speaking to us about connection and hospitality and relationship. and This is what it says, Psalm 68, verse 4, says, Sing to God, sing in praise of his name, which we've done this morning. It's such a special thing. Extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. Verse 5, he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Verse 6, key verse for today. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God sets the lonely in families. How does God set the lonely in families? Guys, I want to submit to you today that God sets the lonely in families through the local church, through the practice of radical hospitality. And here's a few questions that I want to ask and hopefully answer today with hospitality. What does it look like for us as a community, to give our homes to the Lord, and to allow God to use our homes to lead people to Jesus? What would it look like if we went beyond inviting people to a building, which is so important, and we shouldn't always invite people to church? What if we went beyond inviting people to a building and began to invite people into our lives? How can we effectively empower and equip every person in our church family to lead people to Jesus no matter where they are, no matter how eloquent they are, no matter how good they perceive themselves to be at sharing their faith? And what if we saw the power of simply gathering around a table with the same eyes that Jesus did? As I believe, church, that if we get and understand the practice of radical hospitality, I genuinely believe it has the potential to transform our homes, but beyond that, our streets and our entire city. I think radical hospitality is an idea whose time has come. And I think it's such, a, um, such an idea that's so full of potential in this season in particular because of the cultural landscape we find ourselves I've got three markers of our culture that I think radical hospitality is the answer to, okay? So let me just go through this quickly. Firstly, we live in a post-Christian culture. We've known for a long time we live in a post-Christian culture, but over the last few years, we've seen kind of a drastic shift to more like a post-post-Christian culture. There has been somewhat of a disorienting um, shift towards Christians in our world today. I don't know if you've seen this or felt this. When you read much of mainstream media or follow the most vocal on social media, the shift is really that radical followers of Jesus are not so much seen as the odd or the outcast or the strange, like maybe we were in the past by some groups, but more like the enemy. People are increasingly hostile towards church, and many people in our world and in our city would not just wake up on a Sunday and decide to go to church. Christians are being made to feel more and more alienated. Rosiah Butterfield, who wrote an incredible book that's shaped a lot of kind of my think on this called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Radically Ordinary Hospitality. She says this, she says, "'Let's face it. "'We have become unwelcome guests in the post-Christian world. "'Our children ride their bicycles in neighborhoods "'where conservative Christianity is dismissed or denounced "'as irrelevant, irrational, discriminatory, and dangerous.'" Many of us go to work in places where sensitivity training has become an Orwellian nightmare. Christian common sense is declared hate speech. The old rules don't apply anymore. Many Christians genuinely don't know what to say to their unbelieving neighbors. The language and the logic has changed almost overnight. I wonder if you felt that. So over here we have this post-post-Christian culture. How do we reach influence and love people in that world and that sphere. secondly we have pandemic culture here's a few kind of key markers of pandemic culture even as we journey out of it this will stay around to an extent for a while distance has become normal relationships have become on some level superficial and zoomified anyone fed up of zoom yet i think i'm fed up of zoom after about three weeks on zoom <laughs> it's been 18 months zoom is a gift But it is hard to have real relationship over Zoom. Zoom is, well, pandemic culture has become less about connection and more about communication, hence why we're doing a real push of connection. People's homes have become their castles. In other words, there is this do not disturb sign on our homes. Don't come in. We want to stay safe, protect our space, isolate distance. And even as rules change, this will open up. People are feeling the effects of a pandemic, even subconsciously. Technology as well means that everything is available in a moment, in an instant. Why go to the cinema when you can watch it on Netflix or Amazon Prime? Why go to church when you can stream from home? This is pandemic culture, and yet loneliness is at an all-time high. We're in a loneliness epidemic as well. In the church and in the world, distance has led to disconnection, not just with people but with God as well. Guys, real, authentic community has never been needed more than now. Is there something we can offer to the world that is an antidote to this? I believe it is radical hospitality. And finally, church culture. Sharing our faith for so many in church has been for a long time about the few, about the, the maybe the one or two that, would be considered gifted or charismatic or introvert, those that have good answers or good at persuading. And for a lot of people, we're just nervous to engage with, how do we share our faith? I don't know if I could do it. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And on top of that, people's missional muscles have atrophied because we've not been doing what we previously have. And yet the brilliance of the pandemic in many respects is that it has decentralized church. We've seen this particularly with our compassion ministries. It's not just about one day a week, but everyone, everywhere, scattered into our community. We've gone from going to church to being the church, and we cannot lose that. And so I've I've drawn a Venn diagram. Anyone big fan of maths Venn diagrams from school? So over there, we've got pandemic culture, uh, this this idea of just being slightly afraid, distance, disconnection, yet loneliness. We've got post-Christian culture. The Christians are we don't know how to engage with our unbelieving neighbors and friends and we've got church culture the bit in the middle i believe is the answer to all of these issues is radical hospitality radical hospitality i believe radical hospitality is the answer to reach people that fear church or are disillusioned with god or view church christianity as the enemy I believe radical hospitality is the answer to the loneliness epidemic in our world and the hunger that people have for community. And I believe radical hospitality is the answer to the missional mobilization of the church. Everyone can do this. So what is radical hospitality? I believe it is one of the greatest missional opportunities we see in our world today. Hospitality is about inviting people into our lives, not just to our church. Radical hospitality is about opening our homes and gathering around a table, eating and drinking. Radical hospitality goes beyond our friends and invites people that do not, know, do not know Jesus into our world. Radical hospitality is about breaking barriers of distance and difference and offering a countercultural welcome to those that are broken and on the margins of society. Hospitality is. Radically ordinary, but pregnant with potential. Ultimately, hospitality is about people, about relationship, about simply sharing what we have with those that do not have. Hospitality is a movement, a grassroots movement of open homes, open lives, and extravagant generosity. Hospitality ultimately communicates the heart of God. It's about friendship. It's about journey. It's the long game of leading people to Jesus. It is costly, and I believe it will change the world if we multiply it. Imagine, church, what it would look like if this community, 300-plus homes across our city, suddenly became open for the hurting and the broken, suddenly invited people in and opened our doors instead of closing ourselves off. Our homes were no longer our castles or our idols, but outposts of grace with open doors. We talk about church being our home What if our homes became our church, and every week, every moment we had our eyes open to see what God was doing and who could we connect with and engage with and invite into our lives? You know, people might not say yes to an invite to church right away. I reckon they'll say yes to an invite to dinner. Rosiah Butterfield says this, she says, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in in a daily way that seeks to make strangers' neighbors and neighbors family of God as we read the gospels we see that hospitality is an undeniable part centerpiece if you like of the life of Jesus and the early church in many in the view of many eating and drinking was Jesus's primary method of mission as we read the gospels it's impossible to ignore that the lifestyle of Jesus was permeated and Punctuated and marked by eating and drinking, particularly with bad people. Dozens of dozens of times in the Gospels, we see Jesus at a table, eating food, sharing life. In the book of Luke, there are at least 50 references to Jesus and food. In the Gospel of Matthew, there are 94 references to Jesus and food. The New Testament scholar Robert Karras says this about Luke's gospel. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either leaving a meal eating a meal, or on his way to a meal. Hands up if you think that's the kind of Jesus that we want to hang out with. Jesus loved food. Tim Chester, who wrote a book called A Meal with Jesus, was amazing. He, he makes a point that the language, the Son of Man came, is only used twice in the Gospel of Luke. One, it's used to describe his mission. The second, Jesus' method. First, it says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came. How did he do that? Second time, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. If you want to know how Jesus changed people's lives and made a difference and led people into the kingdom, it was basically one meal at a time. Jesus got himself killed, one theologian said, because of the people that he ate with. And I'll submit to you again today that if we get back to radical and intentional hospitality, we will see whole households come to faith and our streets and our city transformed. So let me share just six things about hospitality that I think are helpful as we embark on this adventure. Firstly, and this is a challenging one, our homes are not our homes. Our homes are not our homes. Our homes do not belong to us. They belong to Jesus. Great quote, Roziah Butterfield says, those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use use for the furtherance of his kingdom. What would it look like if, alongside our time and our energy and our money and our finances and our gifts that we give to the Lord, what if we said, God, you have my home as well? Who could I use this space to bless? What would that look like? A home is not a lot of home. Secondly, hospitality has to be an intentional practice. It does not just happen. And uh, let me just say, there are so many of you people in this church community that are living this out already. I mean, we, we've just, it's just been incredible. And, and this talk, I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all because it happens all the time. I just think it's so, so important. But hospitality has to be an intentional practice. So... How could it work? Well, it could work by maybe God's just putting someone from your work on your heart, who who you've just been chatting to and sharing faith with or just getting to know. Maybe it could look like someone from the gym or uni or someone at the school gates or a neighbor. How do you begin the journey of reaching them and sharing life with them? What about hospitality? Inviting them round for a meal, taking them for a coffee. Hannah and I have just moved house. We live in a new house. We really don't know any, many of our neighbors. It is uh, a, quite a different atmosphere to our previous home, but we've got to know our next-door neighbors. And um, they just shared last week, oh, we're having our kitchen completely ripped out and put in. And we just thought, Phew. I mean, we could, we could cook a meal. So I sent a really simple text. We, don't, we barely know them, and we're the new neighbors. And we just said, look, would would it be okay if we could cook you a meal? And they they were blown away, and they were like, that would be amazing. So Tuesday, I'm cooking a meal. (laughs) Any suggestions? (laughs) Anyone want to help me? I've got to make a good impression. But you could take someone for a coffee. You could just make some cookies. It just begins simply praying, Lord, who in my life are you on? And how can I engage with you in that partnership? What if we set aside a day, a month for missional hospitality? What if we regularly cooked more than we needed and invited people to share just in case someone might come around? It says in the Bible that um, the gift of hosp- when, you, when you have hospitality, you may have welcomed angels into your homes and not known about it. Isn't that awesome? What if we gave every other Thursday night to God and asked God, who could I invite this week round to my house? in the rhythm of the early church. That's what they did all the time. Who could we open our lives to? Thirdly, loving your neighbors includes your neighbors. I know it includes far more than your neighbors. It's more than your neighbors, but it's not less than your neighbors. Who has God placed you in and around? I don't believe that where you live right now is an accident. How could that happen? Uh, when Hannah and I lived in a place called Trinity Grove, which is it's 12 houses in a little grove, we Began the journey about six years ago of just wanting to reach our neighbors, inviting them around, and we started a Christmas party which became a bit of a a thing, and we would do that, and we would do it. We did a summer cocktail party just trying to engage. And we had the whole variety of response. We had people who never showed up. We had people who came on an alpha course and then stopped coming. We had people who were very anti-us because they knew we were Christians and very aggressive. We had people, one neighbor gave a life to Jesus in Alpha Course last summer. And it was remarkable, Jesus in the parable of the sowers, the sower with the seeds. uh, It's so true. And our job is just to scatter the seeds and see what the Lord might do. Fourthly, offer what you have. You do not have to have it all together. You do not need to have a big house. You do not need to have a nice house. You do. If you're single, if you've got a family with young kids, if you're a retired couple with a big garden, if you're a businessman living in a shared house with a shared kitchen, if you're a student in uni block, this is not an invitation to a three course meal. It's an invitation into your life. It's an invitation to friendship and community and relationship. And we need everyone to practice this hospitality. I love this quote. We live in a world that highly values functionality, but there is such a thing as being too functional. When we are too functional, we forget that the Christian life is a calling, not a performance. Hospitality is necessary, whether you have cat hair on the couch or not. People will die of chronic loneliness sooner than they will die of cat hair in the soup. Offer what you have, and as you give it to God, he will multiply it. I promise you. The five loaves and the two fish feeds thousands. That was a pretty basic meal. Fifthly, consider those who you would not normally eat with. In the original language, the word hospitality literally means loving the stranger. This is not just about hanging out with your friends. This is about hanging out and inviting the different, the stranger, the refugee, the outcast, the guest. Jesus was constantly eating with bad people, the worst of the worst, broken people, different people. Who are those people that, are go, that have gone unseen their entire life, that are in your world, that so we could open our eyes and see and engage with and connect with? You might do this as a home group. You might get a couple of houses together and just do a party and welcome people in. What would it look like to simply open our home, put on a meal, coffee, cake, whatever, spend time with people? do small talk. I had someone say small talk was a sign of honor and respect, but go deeper as well. ask questions. Ask questions is so important. Now whenever we consider radical hospitality as I look back on my childhood, I'm aware that boundaries are very important. and you don't just want to like invite anyone to come live with you. that's a bit, um, a bit you know might not be the right thing, but I don't want to be known for my boundaries. We want to be known and marked by our love for people and our open life. Sixthly and finally, hospitality is about a vision of home. If you're new to our church, you know that home is pretty important to us, as John and Joni have communicated so often. Home is what we're about. We're about living as a home for God and God being our home. We're about being a home for one another and ultimately Carrying out building rooms in our city so we can invite people that don't know Jesus home. And as we do that, what would it look like if 300 plus homes became open for business for our neighbors and friends? I actually think, church, it will change the world. It is difficult. It is costly. It will be scandalous to the religious, but actually I believe it will change the world. Mm. Let us embark on a Jesus' life practice of radical hospitality, and see what happens. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk/forward/slash/connect, and stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing thanks for listening we hope to see you soon